Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast more sad than emo night at Bush Stadium. My name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Vin Samorka. Is that a thing? Did you have you not seen that? Have you seen this? No. Have you seen this? No. Yeah, it's uh, it's <laughs> a new, about this. <laughs> it's a new theme night uh, in 2023. Emo night. Really aiming at the millennials. Let's go. We have money now. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on emo night, but uh, besides emo night this week, above above all else, we are going to be talking about. The news coming out of the first full week of spring training. If you have an idea for the opening bit, tweet us at Talk About Birds. Hambone, we've got a lot to talk about as always. We've got a full week of spring training. We've got cardinal news. We've got takes. We've got hot takes. But first, can you realize? Can you realize? Can, can you even realize, you realize that, uh, that this week, this is our one year anniversary of starting wow. this show? Wow. 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 Yeah. The show nobody asked for and doesn't want. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, nobody needed this. Maybe we needed this. Uh, yeah. Nobody else did. Um, and we made it a year. Yeah, episode 52 is yeah. underway. It's happening. I mean, there's a chance we don't finish this episode. So let's not count our chickens before, um, you know, the eggs well, and so on and so forth. You joke, but St. Louis is currently under a tornado warning. And oh. uh, it's, it's starting to look pretty gross outside so uh but you know what thor himself cannot stop this from happening thor uh, himself. We, <laughs> <laughs> we will finish this episode did you see ant-man yet nate are you freaking out about quantum mania kang kang <laughs> kang uh i cured my quantum mania a few years back but it was <laughs> of course re- it was of course replaced with Gormania. Of course i'm i'm feeling it, it's resurfacing this year yeah. you look terrible uh, but it's it's bad. The boils yeah. are the worst part. Yeah, that's, that's a new disgusting. One. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, no, I've not seen Ant Man yet. Um, I'm a little behind on the current wave of Marvel movies. Yeah, like what, what too I, much. What we t- yeah, I, I like them as much as the next person, you know. And I I tend to eventually see them all. But what we kind of do is let them stack up a little bit, and then we'll watch like three or four in a week or two and it it, i kind of like it that way because they're pretty hit or miss at this point and so if it's like one of the bad ones you can kind of wash it away really quickly with one of the probably good ones you know and you take it all in as like a like binging a tv show rather than like a full feature film experience Um, sure but i i don't have like a particular drive it's been going for so long now i mean i think Mike, a lot of people, I feel a little bit of the Marvel burnout, even if even if like I recognize that I enjoy them when I'm watching them. Yeah. 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 I have nothing to add to that, but (laughs) 
Yeah. I like the shows too. There's just so much of it. And you know, now there's so many star war also. So how do I keep all my, all my marvels and all my star war I, and all I my, know, you know, and I've been watching star Trek lower decks, which is fantastic. So, you know, I'm full of content right now. All my space themed, <laughs> all my space themed content. It's really cool. I just, we just started watching a uh, full swing last night on Netflix. The, uh, F1 style documentary uh, about golf, uh, about the PGA tour. Um, so that's where my life's at right now. Um, and I enjoy it, man, that, you know, that's cool. I'm glad you found something that you like. Uh, but man, a golf documentary sounds even more boring than watching golf. <laughs> uh, no, well, yeah, to each their own, but, uh, yeah. as a, uh, somebody who is a, um, bad golfer but an enthusiast it's uh it's yeah. fun because you're like oh yeah i can do that thing just on a level that is not even remotely close to what these gentlemen are doing but uh yeah it, it's a good show i would say if you like golf at all go watch it i'm really enjoying it and these golfers are uh <laughs> these ain't your daddy's golfers they're a little uh, rougher <laughs> around the edges than you might think <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> I was a little worried they were my daddy's golfers, so now I'm uh, now I'm back on board. Uh, okay, well, I don't want to talk I, about TV anymore. No, I, it's fair. I, I will say though, I I I said something and then immediately started thinking about it more. And I I, I will say a golf documentary is probably more interesting than watching a round of golf because at least it's edited down to like specifically interesting. Yeah. Things, well, also you don't you understand know? the sport, right? You don't you don't know how the, like the mechanics of it, so. I, I imagine seen, you I've watching seen the Robin Williams stand up <laughs> sketch from like 20 years ago where he explains <laughs> golf. I yeah. get it. Yeah. 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 You, you hit the ball and you follow it into a little hole. Uh, yeah. 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 You know. Yeah. Great. I, I, Legend I, I, gone. I, enjoy, I like top golf. There's a, uh, <laughs> there's a new, um, uh, putt shack near us. Wow. The, uh, the like wacky or like the top golf, but for, Mini golf. I don't know how to explain it. You have you ever been to kids down to the have you seen this? Shack? No. Have you seen this? No. <laughs> you heard about this? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I'm happy for you. I'm glad you found something that you enjoy. Thank you. Yeah. So we've done a year of this and we're going to keep trying. Uh, we've made it one full year. Here's to year <laughs> two. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who has yeah. supported us this far. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, so let's jump into some cardinal news. Uh, you know, we're having a good time here, Ben. We're having some laughs, but we do have to address uh, an actual sad thing. Curious how <laughs> so you're we'll... going to change the mood of this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Tim McCarver passed away. If you're, you know, listening to this podcast, I'm sure you are aware of who Tim McCarver is. Um, always sad when a when a legend uh, yeah. passes away. And um, by all accounts, super cool dude. And I think we all have his voice in our head from his time as a Cardinal broadcaster. And then, uh, you know, his, his length and experience with the Cardinals and just MLB in general. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think like yeah. a massively underrated baseball player, a, a very good broadcaster. Um, I definitely, like he sounds like the world series to me. Like that's, I associate that. Um, obviously, you know, he is, he's, as he's gotten older, he kind of pulled back from those duties, but I really enjoyed when him and Danny Mack would do the, uh, do the games together. And, uh, I mean, you'd get maybe too many Bob Gibson stories, but I'd rather have too many Bob Gibson stories than not enough. Um, and then, uh, just kind of the way they were able to play, you know, back and forth and, 
uh, Danny Mac doing the McCarver impressions and all that. I was a super big fan. And uh, yeah, I'll just say like underrated baseball player. He was a good catcher for a very long time. Um, I was reading, there was just some articles that were coming out around his passing. Like the fact that he was a, uh, when he was on the Cardinals, he was a catcher that was leading off back in the sixties like that. Just kind of a, a weird player, uh, in a good way, an interesting player and his friendship with Bob Gibson endlessly entertaining. Um, but yeah, definitely a loss. Um, 81, I don't know that feels young. Um, but too bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely unexpected. I, I had, you know, didn't know he was sick or, or anything like that. So yeah, uh, sad news. Um, a real legend. So thoughts is family and everything. Um, so <laughs> let's, uh, yeah, <laughs> great. Great. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> let's move on. Yikes. The, uh, we, we've got our first game of spring training coming this weekend on uh, Saturday, is, Nate. On, yeah. This is the yeah. last at before games are happening. Bally sports Midwest. Maybe. Yeah. Chip Carey, uh, Sunday or Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. I'm obviously super excited for it. Um, you know, once it's really the real kickoff of all, all the stuff we've been talking about for the last three, four months, getting prepared for, for exactly this. What are the storylines going to be? What are the, what's the intrigue? Yeah. We're starting to get a little bit of that. We're going to cover some of the, the news from the workouts over the last few weeks. But um, you know, this will really begin the 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 real coverage of on the field play, which uh, is very very welcome at this point. I think we've had a lot of fun over the off season, and we've done some silly things, and we've had some really dry periods, um, and now we can actually get back to what we're all here for, which is watching the actual game of baseball. And yeah. uh, I I am I'm feeling it. It's been kind of nice out recently and I've been outside a lot more and it's just like starting to feel that sort of near spring feeling and and it's just making me happy. I, I didn't, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I've been feeling this in my, in the past, but for whatever this year, I've been like, I, I got to get out of winter. Like I'm feeling yeah. that like seasonal thing, you know? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, baseball is a big part of that. It's so close. And I'm just really excited for it. Yeah, yeah. You look terrible. You look like you've been inside for six months. But well, we're coming I do out of that. I do that's, the, that's the boils from the Gourmania. Of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. Although the the pale skin falling off the bone is also partly from being inside all, sure. all winter. Of course. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> as per <laughs> usual. Uh, yeah, you know, it's so funny living out, uh, not to talk about weather too much, but you know, ever since I've lived out here in Colorado, like we got snow today and it just doesn't feel like it's coming on the way that it does back home in St. Louis. Um, we, I had, you know, opening day tickets to the Rockies a few years ago and it was called off because of an ice storm. So I, I think, uh, you know, I, luckily I have the joy of skiing and Colorado outdoor activities. So I, I don't crave for the summer as much, but baseball, absolutely. I think I talked about last week, I already got my opening day tickets going to be the worst matchup yeah. of all time uh but yeah cannot wait um and really like the spring training content i am just such a nerd for all of it like i love the we've talked about this but i love all the little little twitter stories and the little videos and the just the kind of things that you don't get the the lightheartedness i guess that the players bring that you don't really get in the in the season unless you're miles michaelis 
Um, but yeah, obviously looking forward to it. I say, let's just get into some of these. We've got a lot of early stories. Um, and I kind of want to start with what I perceive as the biggest one of those. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to say real quick though, I saw a video of, uh, the cat, uh, yeah. Jimmy, the cat just going yeah. into the clubhouse, uh, arms spread open and he was acting like he was just like smelling the locker room and how nice it was. Yeah. And it was like baseball's back, baby. <laughs> sweaty men's yeah. smell. And I bet it would not yet. You know, it's that, it's yeah. that clean locker room smell. Uh, I don't know. Doesn't Aaron Otto get there at like 3am and like take a probably. Gatorade shower and then sweats everywhere. He's probably a smelly person. Uh, yeah. yeah, let's go into your, uh, let's go into your, what, what, what top, what, what are your, your hot topics? We got to talk uh, about Tyler. I think yeah. Tyler O'Neill has got to be the biggest story coming into spring training. Not only does he look like a Greek God, like this is, it's I, I, I can't believe how massive you, he is. I didn't think he could put more muscles in those areas. It, he looks uncomfortable he's never moved like a normal human moves because he's too he's too yoked and then coming into spring i'm like that wasn't your problem buddy it wasn't that you weren't yoked enough you didn't need to come in even more intense but uh and and he was talking about in the off season like i'm getting i'm getting more flexible i'm getting leaner i'm getting you know i'm trying to uh, uh, get ready for the entire season, blah, blah, blah. And you know, there's guys like Tyler, he probably lose weight as the season goes on. Cause it's very hard yeah. to keep that kind of muscle playing 150 games. So, so maybe that was, he was kind of building up for the summer. Um, but yeah, just based on the interviews that he's done on the radio and other places, I did not expect for a m- small mountain to walk in. Like he can't <laughs> even fit in his shirts. Um, which I I'm sure Tyler is the type of guy to, you know, he probably wears a large, but he orders a medium. And, and that's, yeah, you know, it, if you got it flaunted, I'm not here to judge him. Yeah. Like, uh, I, you know, if I could swap arms with him, I would. Um, I just wouldn't be able to type on my keyboard. <laughs> but uh, imagine just swapping <laughs> arms too. You like, I feel like I would go to scratch an itch and accidentally like knock myself unconscious. <laughs> You're found on the ground two hours later. Yeah. Yep. So, okay, we're, we can we can judge this man's body as, uh, you know, as two pasty, flabby jerks can judge them, uh, judge him. Um, but what I think is more interesting is that he has his eyes set on the center field job. Uh, and I think yes. before he showed up, I, this podcast probably would have said it's Dylan Carlson's job to lose. Um, maybe Lars is a real option there. Tyler's a great backup. Um but he is not only is he saying uh, he is only taking reps there so far, he is playing center field for team Canada and the WBC. Um, so he's doing everything he can to take that job. I, I don't know exactly the motivation other than the fact that center fielders probably get paid a little bit more. I think Tyler probably thinks very highly of himself and he probably thinks he would be a very good center fielder. He was a center fielder in the minors for a very long time. Um, but it's very interesting. And I think, the most interesting aspect to that is that Dylan Carlson is, I wouldn't say he's on a shaky position in the roster, but the thing that makes him valuable is the fact that he can play a very solid center field defense. If Tyler can prove that he can play somewhere to the degree that Dylan can play, I think it's fair to assume 
Tyler's bat is going to have a better year this year. Like or if I was to place a bet right now on how the year was going to go, that is probably the bet that I would make. So it's, it's interesting for Dylan is I guess what I mean to say. It, yeah. it makes Dylan's spring and season a little more murky than I would have expected a week ago. Well, it was, I mean, it was a week ago where we talked about, uh, you know, we have our, we, we were kind of thinking of the team as tiers of players and certain tiers were definitely starters. Just where they were starting was in question. And we had Dylan Carlson in that a tier of, he is certainly a starter, just like where was in question. Um, and now, yeah, today it's like, is he a locked in starter? It certainly feels maybe not feels like, uh, O'Neal and and Marmol would not be talking about like the center field um, competition as much if there wasn't a legitimate chance that Tyler O'Neal or Newt Bar could be the starting center fielder. Uh, it does open things up. Obviously, if you don't have Dylan Carlson as your starting center fielder, you can do uh, Newt Bar in left or right, and then any number of all the other guys that we want to see get reps uh, in left or right, like a Jordan Walker or Alec Burleson or Juan Yepes. Um, you know, but it is also, I think a little bit of like, I'm coming into spring and I'm shooting for the, the, the top. Yeah. Like what, you know, what player wouldn't want that to be their narrative coming into spring. Sure. Um, I, I will say like to, to part of what you, you said uh, on whose bat is better. I, I think w- what we learned last year and 2021 is that, or uh, yeah, 2021 is that a healthy Tyler O'Neill is a good Tyler O'Neill. If you go back and look at the stats from last year, like he was generally very effective when he played and his problem was that he just didn't play. And so if you've got him coming in healthy this year, I think it's absolutely a, a fair to say he's a more offensive, talented player than Dylan Carlson as it stands. Uh, and so, yeah. And D- Dylan Carlson is on the short end of the splits. He crushes left-handed hitters. He hasn't really shown that he can hit right-handed hitters consistently. And to me, that like if you have Tyler playing center field, Lars or, or whoever in right field, it opens up the door like you're talking about Alec Burleson. Why would he not be starting against right-handed pitchers at the very least to begin the season ex- with Dylan's thing? I just looked it up. Dylan has a 686 OPS against right-handed pitchers in his career and a 869 <laughs> nice um, against left-handed pitchers in his career. So that kind of, to me, if we're talking about left field defense, I would take Burleson's potential bat against right-handers over whatever Dylan Carlson is bringing to that equation in left field specifically. Yeah. It, I don't know. It, it's um, that being said, th- like you said, you know, it also has to require of like Tyler O'Neill actually being able to play center field. I think maybe I'm, um, I, I think I'd almost be surprised if he doesn't do a good job at that. Cause he is yeah. so he's gold glove winner. He's super fast. He's done it in the past. It, it would not be yeah. surprising to me. It's not like we've never seen him in center. He's right. done it. And I think if with repeated reps, he would be very good at it. I get the sense that like outfield defense is not the concern for Tyler O'Neill. He's no. going to do it and do it well. Um, and yeah, Carlson's whole thing is doing everything at baseball, like uh, either slightly above or really above average. Right. But none of it is necessarily elite, like what Tyler O'Neill possibly can do 
at uh at the plate right um we'll see i mean to be fair to carlson though too like he was dealing with wrist injuries last year which is like i mean one of the more notable uh offensive sapping injuries you can deal with and he still posted like a above a slightly above league average wrc plus like there's a lot to be said for him still getting a, a starting job and, and there's still a lot of untapped value there. It wasn't that long ago that he was considered, you know, one of the top prospects in baseball. And the only thing that is really not shown so far, you can excuse because of inter- injuries. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I, if I were betting, I'd still bet that we go into the season with Dylan Carlson at center and Tyler O'Neill at left. But the fact that we're already ha- seeing that conversation start is intriguing and definitely yeah. is one of the early stories of this spring. Yeah, um, I, I think you're right. It, I, I'm not trying to write Dylan Carlson off. All I want to say is that it's the conversation isn't 100 percent. Absolutely. Dylan Carlson is the Cardinal center fielder right. going into 23. Um, yeah. And yeah, there was a there was a tweet, or uh, I, I think John Denton uh, reported earlier this morning uh, that we're recording uh, that Dylan showed up with you know more muscle mass. He was on a forty five hundred calorie a day plan, trying to just add some <laughs> hey. weight. My know my, my first thought to that is like this guy's got to eat four hundred forty five hundred calories a day to gain weight. Like I would, I'll switch him spots. Um, <laughs> also, just go to the donut shop, man. It's not that hard. Like I, I know you probably want to you know, stay healthy while you're gaining weight, but whatever played out, just, just do your thing. Yeah. If you were, if you were like medically prescribed to eat 4,500 calories a day, what is your approach to that? Are you, you doing the donut shop or let's, let's say that, um, you know, budget is, is less of a thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably lots of, lots of meats and carbs is, is where I'd be. Yeah. If the doctor was like, Ben, you have to gain weight or else you're going to die. I'll say, doctor, I think I can do this. Um, and yeah, yeah breakfast, just, pizza, sandwiches, probably lunch, pizza. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably yeah, a little pizza. dinner pizza. Yeah. yeah. Just take a pizza to the dome. That's, you know, there's there's vegetables mm-hmm. in that. Um, <laughs> it's considered a vegetable, or at least it was at one point, right? It, the first school pizza is considered a vegetable. Yeah, look this up. I it, it's not like my personal opinion. It's the uh it was like in the 90s. I think it was like the FDA uh, for um for the uh how we classified school lunches for yeah. kids in order to say that it met like the dietary needs of kids. Pizza was at one point uh <laughs> can, like legally considered a vegetable or something like that. It's that you know. that I, I'm not surprised to hear that. That makes a lot of sense looking around at where we are today. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I think there's a joke in uh, Parks and Rec. Uh, uh, the, the some conglomerate is arguing that napkins are a vegetable. Um, so just one step away. Um, makes sense. All right, moving down uh, the list here. Uh, I, I want to talk. You never want to get too excited about these best shape of their life tweets, right? But this is what we have. It's really early. And I think Marmol uh, is is saying that plus other things. Um, and 
Uh, Marmol, when uh, interviewed uh, this last week in spring, he singled out Nolan Gorman as somebody who showed up with a body and swing transformation they were hoping to see this winter. So if you haven't seen pictures of Gorman, he definitely looks a little bit slimmer. Uh, the tree trunks are slightly less trunky, um, which wow. I think makes sense. I think if you're going to try to play <laughs> second base every single day, uh, which I assume is his goal, um, it only makes sense that you'd want to be a little quicker, a little slimmer just to hold up better. Um, so that's interesting, you know, take that for whatever it is. What is far more interesting is the swing transformation. And essentially right. he was told to go home and work on hitting high cheese, um, and has made that adjustment and made that adjustment to a d- degree in which, uh, the Cardinals and Ali specifically feel like he is done excellent he's made excellent use of his off time um so you know how is that going to play out we don't know but the fact that i I think that anyone watching the cardinals uh consistently last year would say the number one problem with nolan gorman is the high fastball so the fact that he was able to take that change it and and make upgrades is is something to be excited about Yeah, obviously these don't guarantee results, but when you're looking for spring stories, you certainly take this over the alternative that we hear sometimes where it's like, oh, they came back completely different than what we were hoping for or what are what we asked them to do, what the plan was, et cetera. Like those stories, I can't think of a time where we've heard one of those spring stories and then it was like, oh, we were wrong. And they had like a massive season. It's like right. almost always a precursor to some sort of problem. So uh, you definitely want to hear it. And I think there's, there's, you know, a healthy and legit Gorman. Just what, you know, this changes the lineup so much. If he can yeah. get even close to that uh, power potential that people have talked about with him, you know, the, the 30 home run, 40 home run type of guy. Yeah. Even if he has that two thirty batting average to go with it, if you stick him down at seven in the lineup, I mean, just think how deep that lineup is now behind all the other mashers. We were talking about it with shop a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago, Kyle Schwarber. Like if, if he gets somewhere close to that, I, I'm not sure I'm fully ready to commit to this prediction right now, but I am flirting with the idea of predicting (laughs) that, uh, okay. So (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know how I sound. Don't don't overcommit or anything. I know, know. but I'm flirting (laughs) with the idea of potentially predicting that Nolan Gorman is going to be the home run leader. For the Cardinals season. Okay. And I think like uh I, I well, think I'll, I have to talk I'm sitting here on the edge of my seat just I waiting know. for the chance for you to possibly make this prediction. But now I get it. You've not made that prediction. I got I think I got four weeks to think about it and lock it in. That's before the Cardinals yeah. the season starts. But I don't know. It's it's sounding less I'm talking myself into it. It's sounding less and less far fetched. And especially when you read a report of uh, right. Hey, Ollie, how did everybody come into spring? Well, let me tell you about Nolan Gorman. He really impressed me. I don't know. It's it's starting to fuel the fire of my potential prediction um, wow. outcome. <laughs> well, I just frankly, uh, I can't wait to hear it, Ben. You've got Thank me you. on the edge of my seat. I uh, We haven't really talked yet about how we're going to do that. Last year, we did preseason predictions where we basically did like we broke it into two camps of like, if the Cardinal season goes really well, these things will happen. Yeah. And if the Cardinal season goes really bad, like these things will happen. These are yeah. indicators of a good or a bad season. 
and some of it we nailed and some of it we were way off we did like a recap at the end of the year so i think we might do something like that or it's always fun just to do like a bold prediction uh you know run and yeah. and see if we get any of those right well, here's here. Well, I'm I'm hinting at my potential bold prediction for a couple of weeks wow. later. Yeah, wow. I'm gonna steal it. I'm gonna go first and. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm excited too. So, yeah. what what else are we looking at? Drew Verhagen. Um, he tells the media media that he is working on incorporating a true four seamer into his pitch arsenal and shifting away from his traditional two seam sinker. Um, so normally I would say I actually, well, how to talk about this. I really think the only time I really get excited about a pitcher talking about what they were working on in the off season is if they're adding or subtracting pitches. Um, because I think that like you can, you can change your diet, you can change your workout. That stuff is all maybe helping to a certain degree, but if you're changing the way your pitches work together, you're basically becoming a new pitcher. We talked about for a good chunk of last season how Verhagen, well, I guess we talked about him in a couple of ways. For Harley knew him. He he got hit around <laughs> real, real <Jesus>. bad. Yeah. <laughs> but we also <laughs> talked about how great that curveball is. And that curveball should right. be better. It's super high spin. It breaks like crazy. That should be an effective big league curveball. And another thing that we know is that a great way to use your curveball is with a four seam fastball. You throw your four seam fastball high in the zone. You throw your curveball at the same arm angle in the same slot. And those two pitches are three feet away from each other, different speeds. And it it is highly effective, especially coming out of the bullpen. So I am kind of marking this down as something I'm going to be watching in spring. I think this is a real change that is actually going to I mean, we got him for another year. He's here. I, th- I think this right. is this is a reason to not groan when Verhagen comes into the out of the bullpen uh, here in spring and, and something like I said, it's a real change that we can actually watch and track and hopefully, yeah, see success. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, he's gonna. We're gonna need to see it, and likely quickly. I was frankly a little surprised that he's still on the team, and this is something that I guess yeah gives you hope and maybe a little bit understanding of like why they will continue to take this flyer on him because not a lot to take away from last year that uh, in any realm of of positivity. um, You know, looking at the numbers here, over twenty one and two thirds innings, he. he had a hot negative 0.6 fan graphs war um, yeah. and an XFIP of 5.5. Yeah, he got a hit around about a 17% home run to fly ball ratio. Um, yeah. For comparison, uh, Ryan Helsley, obviously an unfair comparison, but still is around 9%. So almost double, uh, uh, you know, when he gives up a fly ball, it's a home run compared to what Helsley's doing. So nowhere to go but up from here for this guy. And uh, hopefully we see that. And yeah, I mean, obviously it's going to take when when you're getting beat around that much. It's usually not small adjustments that need to happen. It's usually something much bigger and and maybe a whole new pitch is exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. (coughs) Oh, God, I'm dying. Um, Cool. Let's uh, other guys who are uh, big, tall, strong men who are adding pitches. Uh, Jordan Montgomery says that he's bringing his slider back to his arsenal, something that he used early in New York, kind of moved away from, really was curveball uh, change up. 
Um, the Cardinals obviously brought that fastball out of him a little bit more. And now he's bringing back the slider. Um, you know, we talked about all off season how the Cardinals' biggest problem was Caper 9. I think that, you know, there's it's either going to be Jack or Jordan, uh, Jack Flaherty or Jordan Montgomery, who are going to lead the Cardinals starting rotation in Caper 9. And I think I don't I don't think that Jordan Montgomery is sitting there thinking, ooh, if I add a slider, I'm going to over time, increase the Cardinal starting rotation caper nine. But I do think that this is a move towards additional strikeouts, another weapon um, and something, you know, that I don't know. We like Jordan. Yeah. I, I'm excited to see how this works out. I mean, who doesn't like a good slider? Like, you know, uh, I'm wondering if this guidance is something that is coming from himself and he just feels like I want to bring that back. Or was it something that like Dusty Blake identified and said like go and and work on this in the off season um but yeah, yeah. i mean so ba- I, I, to add a little basically what he said and, and i wouldn't be surprised maybe we'll learn more as time goes on but basically what he said is i'm i'm really good at spinning pitches i have great spin rates why don't i throw another pitch that spins quite a bit um makes sense to me uh um, yeah. you know one plus Logic one track. equals two yeah so um yeah looking forward to that yeah we could really use uh, a, a elite Jordan Montgomery this year. <laughs> so uh, it'll be interesting. But of course, the downside with a slider, if you mess it up, any of these breaking balls, you know, if you mess it up, you're just putting it on a tee for someone. So oh. hopefully it's not too much uh, uh, learning on the go. <laughs> yeah, Ho- hopefully that all gets ironed out quickly here in spring. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a spring game where Montgomery's throwing just, you know, slider, 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 and, and, and we get a a real quick idea how that looks. Um, all right. One other pitcher I want to talk about Zach Thompson, you know, we've been talking about, well, why didn't the Cardinals go get X Andrew Chafin shaped reliever? Well, because Zach Thompson is being slated for the bullpen. Yeah, not surprising though, right? I mean, we we know he wasn't going to be in the starting rotation. And he was really good last year, so he probably doesn't really need to be in the minors. I guess you could argue that he should start in the minors and be stretched out as the sixth starter. Uh, but I think they, you know, he has that profile, probably a, a several inning lefty that I think you bring in in a tie game, or maybe you're down by one, or maybe you're up by one, you know, not like like a good middle inning high leverage guy, if that yeah. makes sense. Something yeah, that I the mean, Cardinals really struggled with last year. You remember a lot of the games in the middle of the year that really went haywire is because we had no one who was competent after like the fourth or fifth inning to get to Gallegos and and Helsley and Thompson was part of that solution last year. And it makes sense to me that he yeah. kind of repeats that role. And then, you know, inevitably when the starting rotation begins to fall apart, maybe we see him stretched out further and he gets another shot at the starting rotation. Cause I think a big takeaway last year was like, damn, Zach Thompson is really good. And yeah. I'd love to see him in the starting rotation, but I understand like current use case. Yeah. And I think like, you know, if the Cardinals want to do the thing where you, you have to be in the bullpen for a year or two before you get in the starting rotation, that's worked for them in the past. Um, and I definitely have memories of Zach Thompson coming out of the bullpen last year and that velo being like 98, 99 and hitting a hundred a few times. Like not everybody can do that. Um, and if you have a lefty that can come in, like you said, pitch multiple innings, 
get their velo way, way up there in triple digits. Like that's worth its weight in gold, especially if you think you have six, seven starters already kind of ready to go. Yeah. yeah. Now, do you? I will find out. But if you think you do, yeah, it absolutely makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right. This was not surprising to me at all. It, it, I think it's it, it's a good plan. Yeah. Yeah, but in twenty twenty four, when we only have one starter on the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll be, be the ace. Like, yeah. Um. Cool. So yeah, I mean, already one week, and we've got a, a bunch of interesting news, and and that's really scratching the surface of it. There's even more that we could have gone into, but we're gonna try to pick like the 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 top stories from spring every week. Um. Yeah. But there was an article in Fangraphs that I know you wanted to touch on um, that was an interview with Randy Flores, Cardinal Scouting Director, um, someone who rightfully is getting a lot of praise. You know, yeah. we look back at the the last few Cardinal drafts, obviously the 2020 draft looking like maybe one of the best drafts of all time, especially at least for the Cardinals. Yeah. So his name is all over the place right now and like up and coming rising stars, future GMs, et cetera. And so he sat down and did a quick little interview with band graphs, um, which was nice. What was your takeaway from this article? Yeah, I think, uh, I, well, I'll, we'll retweet it. Um, and I definitely think that it's worth reading and I'm not going to go over every little thing in the article, but what I thought was most interesting is the way that the, he was talking about drafting pitchers. And we've kind of danced around this idea. I think we talked about it with Kyle a little while back, but the Cardinals have this ability to draft a pitcher like Gordon uh, Graceffo, Cooper Jerpy, um, Tinkins, and find Velo in those bodies somehow. Um, And Randy Flores was kind of hinting at like a velocity program. Obviously, he didn't tell us the the way that they make the secret sauce or anything like that. Um, But... The fact that, so he was kind of breaking down. We we draft a guy like Cooper Jerpy. Cooper Jerpy has proven success. We like his breaking ball. He's a little under uh, where we want the velo to be, but we're going to put him on this program, and we think that he can become Gordon Graceffo, and we expect him to rise very quickly. So I, I guess really that's all I wanted to talk about. Like I said, definitely worth a read. Randy Flores is awesome. I think he's going to be the GM of the Cardinals here soon. Just like the way that he talks about players and acquisition and and player dev, I wish John Mozeliak would get into player development a little bit more because I do find it endlessly fascinating. But like I said, drafting these guys, liking what they have and being like, we can add five miles per hour to these. Like yeah. we can we can go draft a Cooper Jerpy and I'm giving, you know, with, within some degree of failure, I'm saying that I can give him X many more miles on his fastball slider or whatever. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty fascinating stuff. And like. Worth its weight in gold, right? If you well, if you can we, just we are say that. that, yeah, we're seeing that with Graceffo, right? Because out of the draft class, it was like you know, really solid delivery. Looks like a type of guy, classic Cardinal draft pick, right? He'll be in the majors within a year or two, but he'll probably peak at back into the rotation, fourth starter, fifth starter. He'll be a valuable big league piece, but he's not going to necessarily you know compete for any high honors. And then now all of a sudden you start to see Graceffo starting to, you know, climb his way up these prospect lists and you start to see scouts writing like, Hey, maybe there's a little bit more here than we thought there was. And I think that's exactly what he's talking about. Right. Is, is drafting someone who has a perception of one thing and they're able to turn him into something a little bit more than what the standard 
like perception was. Yeah. Which is all good. We have not quite seen that yet, obviously, because the Cardinals uh, current rotation is staffed almost entirely with people brought in from outside of the organization. But um, we're starting to see some evidence of what Randy Flores was talking about uh, starting to pop up through through the organization. Yeah. Yeah, and it, you know he also he talks about uh, Michael McGreevy in here too, like a guy yeah. they drafted Michael McGreevy, big guy, strike thrower. Let's add some more miles per hour. But it the way that they're talking about it, the way that the Cardinals are developing players right now, it doesn't seem insane to think that Hans Graceffo, McGreevy, Jerpy could be in the major leagues pitching staff at some point in the near future. I think it would be yeah. foolish to assume all of these guys are going to be top flight starters or, or all number threes or something like that. Yeah. But I don't think it seems foolish to think that they will be on the major league pitching staff to some degree. Maybe Tink Hintz is a, you know, the best closer in baseball and Gordon Graceffo is a solid number three and Jerpy is, you know, your, your lights out uh, seventh inning guy, but uh, that, that's all good. We'll take all of that. The Cardinals we, need you, more of that. Yeah. You need all of that. Right. Um, there's something with these guys' names that is like, Cooper Jerpy, Michael <laughs> McGreevy, Gordon Graceffo. Is there anything there? You think there's something there? Uh, I don't know. No. We'll, it, we'll see if we can get uh, Flores on the show, and we'll we'll ask him the real questions. This uh, uh, David Laurier yeah, wasn't brave enough to ask him. There's, there's a lot. They're all kind of like little mouthfuls. Well, Gordon yeah. Graceffo. Yeah, I'm I, Michael yeah. McGreevy. They're little mouthfuls. <laughs> Uh, yeah, hopefully we don't lose Randy Flores to another team. I'm yeah. sure that he is being uh, scouted. Yeah. I think we even, I think we've even heard like him and even Gersh have been have been asked for interviews oh, yeah. and whatnot. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it'll probably inevitably happen unless uh, you know Mo can find a way to keep him here. Yeah, but um, just keep making up titles. Right. Yeah, exactly. Senior scouting director uh, slash assistant general manager slash yeah. uh, chief cool dude. <laughs> All right. Well, we have still some more stuff to talk about. Um, but before we get to that, we want to remind everybody that listens to the show that this show is supported on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash talking about birds. If you enjoy the show, want to support us. Uh, support our weekly efforts to bring you this show. We're really looking forward to this second year. Consider joining. Uh, we have a bunch of different tiers, but the uh, anybody at any level gets access to our private Discord server. We call it the Bird Scored. We're having a great time in there chatting about Cardinals, the league, and just any random shit that people want to talk about. It's a great place to connect with other Cardinal fans in a space that is a lot less noisy than most social media. Uh, and we're actually starting up a fantasy baseball league of uh, people from the Discord for 2023. And we do have a few slots. So if you've been looking for uh, another reason to get into the Patreon, you got a little bit of time to hop in and... Uh, join the discord and then join, join the league. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, and speaking of want to shout out Kyle C our newest patron. Thank you so much, Kyle, for joining. We really appreciate it. Uh, so yeah, talking about birds or patreon.com slash talking about birds. 
If you can't uh, support via Patreon, uh, consider leaving us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform. It does help us show up better in searches and whatnot. So thank you all for this full year of support, either those of you who have been with us from the beginning or you've hopped on the the ride sometime along the way. Uh, we we really are grateful for, for the uh, support that you've given us so far. So thanks, everyone. Uh, ben, where else can people find us online? Yeah. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at talk about birds. You can follow us on Instagram at talking about birds. Um, and newly you can follow us on TikTok. We're doing wow. a TikTok. Um, we're doing a TikTok. That's what they say. We're doing a TikTok. We're at talking about birds on TikTok. Nate and I had a somewhat lengthy conversation before we started recording about how we don't understand TikTok. Uh, I think it's something we're going to play around with. Um, if you happen to be on there, give us a follow. Help us out. I, I really don't know what I'm doing. All I know is that, it, yeah, he just opened up the app while we're on <laughs> mic and it immediately starts playing noise at you. Uh, I feel like an old person. Um, but anyways, again, that's on TikTok at Talking About Birds. Give us a, a follow or a share or uh, duet us. I know that you could duet our videos. Um, so try that yeah. out. Um, if you have any thoughts, questions, emails, or if you want to talk us into, uh, deleting our TikTok account, you can send us an email at talkaboutbirds at gmail.com. Uh, I'd also like to shout out that we are on Spotify. If you prefer to listen to podcasts there, um, and also just say, thank you, Kyle. Welcome to, uh, uh, the scored, the bird scored tweet, 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 tweet. All right. So uh, arbitration has been in the news a lot recently Boy, because uh, of a uh, a particular uh, Cy Young award winning uh, best player in baseball. One of the best players in baseball um, being shat upon by his own team in an arbitration process. I don't know. I, I If you have not heard, if you've not seen this and you're listening to this show, I definitely recommend going in. Just doing a quick Google search for Corbin Burns arbitration. Uh, he goes in pretty hard against his own team and how he was treated during the arbitration process. Yeah. Um, this is you, something that we've talked about a fair amount on the show yeah. already, but you don't normally see such. Um, I mean, a lot of details and he he directly said the relationship is changed. <laughs> so well, uh, not you, a good look. You could tell he was mad because he starts the conversation off with being like, yeah, so I spent all of Valentine's Day away from my wife and on a plane and getting yelled at about how I caused the Brewers to miss the playoffs and stuff like that. And it's it, it's a it's a flawed system. The system is bad. It's also when you're in a situation where you're arguing with over seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars with the best pitcher in baseball or the top three best pitcher in baseball. However, you know, you want to split these hairs. I mean, that that's a bad system. I, I the other side of this to specifically look at the Brewers, uh, uh, the w- the way that the Brewers are looking at it. The Brewers are not resigning Corbin Burns, um, whether he loved playing there or not. Corbin Burns is going to be offered a contract that starts with a three, um, and it's going to be over many years. And uh, the Brewers just aren't yeah. going to do that. So I understand um, why they would do what they did. They won the case. I think that that is the more shocking thing is how. Can you put up the type of seasons that Corbin Burns has put up over the last three years and then lose an arbitration case when the money is so small? Um, 
it, it's a bad system. I, I don't know what the better system is, but I guess really a better system is like a, um, uh, like, uh, you, you put in the numbers and production and it spits out a dollar amount that is, you know, prorated based on playing time and, uh, uh, like other contracts in the league. Uh, you take the human part out of it, but I don't think, I mean, well, well, you're getting it. Ryan Helsley had a, had a hearing as well. And yeah, I don't understand how it is helpful in any situation for the Cardinals to sit in a room with their lawyer folks and explain to them why Ryan Helsley isn't so good. Yeah. I don't understand it either. At the very least, seems like just don't have everybody in the room. Like if the team's going to make a case to this neutral arbitrator that like Corbin Burns is the reason why they didn't uh, make the playoffs, which is obviously like the most insane argument yeah. that's ever been made. It's like, motherfucker, they only had a chance because of Corbin Burns. Like it's right. not even, it's there. It's completely the other way around. But anyway, like why does he have to sit in the room while that case is being made? Like, yeah. you know, can, if, if we must have this can at least be just like sort of a closed door thing and you don't have to stand in front of one of your best players and tell a neutral person why they suck. Um, but there, there's another counterpoint to this whole thing that I, I, you know, I read that I thought was interesting is that the the players have had the opportunity to negotiate this away multiple chances uh, through each CBA renewal, and the players' union keeps coming back to supporting the arbitration process because over a length of time, it does ultimately work out in the players' benefit. Um, but it's still it seems like there's an inherent flaw of this element where the team is incentivized to basically shit talk their players. Like I, I can see a world where this neutral arbitration makes sense. And there was even uh, there's been proposals in the past to make it just a truly data driven decision. And that was turned down by the players union. Yeah. So there's something that they like about this opportunity to sort of argue the case and I imagine that's because players want the other want to be able to have that other side of the argument where they can say, we're not just good on the field. We are team leaders. Here's where we are sure. inspirational players. We've we've done X, Y, Z. We're the face of the franchise. They want that opportunity to be able to argue their intangibles. And so then the teams are using it to argue counter their intangibles. Like I understand how you get in this place, but there's it seems to me that both parties should be striving to get rid of that section where the team shit talks their favorite player. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah. it's so stupid and we can see, you know, you'll have players that say, Oh, it's business. I get it. But there's no way anyone's walking out of those things, feeling really happy to be a part of this team and really proud of their work. When the, your boss just argued how, you know, meaningless you are to some judge and it costs you a million dollars, you know, right. like it sucks. Yeah. And I think like the, the, like maybe Ryan Helsley is a little more ready to deal with it than Corbin Burns is. And maybe, you know, Mookie Betts was happy to go to the arbitration table and Bryce Harper wasn't. And, and you know, it, it's hard to tell. And I think that you're right. Like arbitration has been good for some players, especially the high end players. Nolan Arenado received some very large arbitration uh, jumps. Right. Uh, Juan Soto, Mookie Betts, um, pretty much all the players in that realm make really, really good money. The most players, though, are arguing about a few hundred thousand dollars. 
Um, and I'm not saying that the team should just throw that away, but I'm saying when you are looking at somebody like Corbin Burns, who you think is, well, you know, is the best player on your team going into 23, Ryan Helsley, who, you know, well, you don't know with closers, but you can bet to a very high, uh, uh assurance that, that he is going to be your best bullpen arm. Well, don't let's make this guy happy. How is this little amount of money worth pissing off a player and, you know, there was conversations as well about uh, at the arbitration table or before the arbitration table talking about extending Ryan Helsley. Focus yeah. on that. And then, like, if you give him 800 grand now, maybe that saves you X million down the road because he's more willing to negotiate with you. I don't know if any of that's true, but that's a bet that I would yeah. be willing to make. That being said, that's why I'm not a business analyst in a MLB front office. Yeah. Um, and that's not what well, the owner wants to hear either. But. And and the counter argument that the ownership group will make every time is it's not about Ryan Helsley him individually it's about setting the precedent of the new floor for salaries. If sure. they say like, okay, yeah, Ryan Helsley, it makes sense. Yes, you were awesome. We'll just meet your demands. Da 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 da. You've now established sort of a new floor for that that level of pay, and the next guy who comes up and reaches that that level will say, well, I'm here. I'm better than Ryan Helsley now. So I should be paid more than him. And what's his current salary. All right. I need to be over that. And it, it all just yeah, cascades, yeah. right? Everything grows exponentially. It is the ownership groups. Uh, they they want to keep costs down as much as possible. Even if an individual element makes sense, they're still going to argue over that $750,000 because that $750,000 is that today. And also, every time this right. happens again over and over right so it it's a complicated system and there's motivations on both sides and i and i i can see a world where the arbitration system is fine and it can be helpful for both sides of the uh, of the conversation i just can't understand this part where they have to have be sitting in a room together where where the teams are incentivized <laughs> to tell them how bad they are like just just get rid of that. Make it like yes. a, a sealed affidavit that you supply to the judge and the judge makes a neutral decision without uh, without it. And they just go to Corbin Burns and they say, hey, great season. Judge ruled in the team's favor. Here's your new salary. We love you and you being a part of our team. It was up to the judge, you yeah. know. And sure, maybe some of those files get leaked at some point and there's some bad blood or whatever. But like, that's a maybe you know what is definitely going to be bad is if you every time you have to say that stuff in front of them every single time yeah you know? so i i don't know if my solution is is the solve or not but like i i think that's the thing they gotta fix is get yeah. them out of the room from each other bashing each other like that and, and i'll tell you what i i think you're that's probably a, a fine idea but if my agent is in there arguing and I lose the arbitration case, I'm going to ask what was said in there and why did what? I lose? Yeah. So right. I, I get what you're saying, but you know, I, I don't know if there's a good way. Like I said, I think we should leave it up to computers. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. It'd be a lot that, easier though, to, to just say it's business. If the agents just like, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Like just move yeah, on. But I'd know? be like, well, you work for me. Tell me. Yeah. Of <laughs> course. Cause I'm petty and I would want to know. And I bet, most athletes would be like, no, I want to hear exactly why they took money from my family, you know, yeah, phrase, phrase it like that. Um, 
So yeah, all that to be said, Ryan Helsley, he filed for 3 million team five, uh, filed for 2.15 team one, uh, and Hennessy's Cabrera, who also finished his up this one, a little less surprising. He filed for 1.15, um, and ended up getting nine, uh, uh 950,000. Um, not super shocking. Genesis, uh, Hennessy yeah. had a, a, uh, not his best year. Um, really yeah. hoping for a bounce back for him. That guy's got so yeah. much arm talent. Like, it, yeah. it would not be surprising to me if he was just lights out this year or if he bounces away out of yeah. the system. Like he's just one of yeah. those dudes. Um, but yeah, Cardinals and Arb is all done. We're all signed up. So that's great. Um, moving down the last uh, little Cardinal item I wanted to talk about before we get into league stuff. Scotty Rowland is going in with a Cardinals cap. This podcast Hell predicted yeah. it. We saw it from a mile away. It almost made oh, sense, but. We knew. Well, I, I had talked to Scott Roland, friend, uh, personal friend. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of a mentor to him. We had talked and um Wow. You know, I I had been I had been provided assurances that it would be a cardinal uh hat. So uh, it's really important. And uh no, it's exciting. Of course it is. I think it <laughs> we we both agreed it was like the like trying to be objective, it just yeah. made the most sense. You know, when, and, when you and win a World you, Series, it really helps the conversation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, you know, it's just fun to have more Cardinal representation, uh, more Cardinal representation from our lifetimes in yeah. the Hall of Fame, too. You know, so, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Well, I know. And I was kind of thinking about this more, more like 30,000 foot the other day. But in five years, uh, we'll have Albert uh, elected to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Very likely Yadier Molina will be in five or, or six or seven years, I would say somewhere very close. And then not too long after that, I'm of the opinion that we'll be talking about Nolan and Goldie um, and yeah. we'll have the same conversation as if, you know, assuming health and assuming that those guys trend the way that they are projected to trend. I mean, Nolan's one of the best third basemen of all time. And we've talked about yeah. how Goldie is just pushing in for that hall of fame every year. He's just making it more and more obvious. Um, but it's going to be kind of crazy. We're going to have, you know, a decade, uh, plus of hall of fame celebrations and, and retired numbers and, and red jackets and all this great stuff. It's kind of a, a wild time right now. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, Arenado might play for another 10 years though. Right. So it yeah. might be, uh, you know, 15 plus years before we're actually talking about an Arenado that, induction. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and Goldie also could play for another five to six years. And, I, and I'm already know, on the so. extend Goldie train. Like I, I think like, Same. just yeah. do it. Just give him three more years. Yeah. I don't know exactly what it looks like, but keep, keep the guy a Cardinal until he wants to be done. Yeah. And I think that they will. I, I think, um, I don't know. I think the only thing that's preventing that would be his own performance. I think as long as he is productive, um, I think the Cardinals will extend him. We've seen them willing to do that for these types of guys. We obviously just saw them extend, you know, they keep extending Wainwright. They kept extending yeah. Yachty till he was done. Like, I think they'll do it for Goldie as long as he's still productive. Yeah. Because obviously, uh, you know, extending a starting pitcher is, an easier decision to make than like a middling first baseman. So sure. he needs to, he needs to keep it up, which I think we both expect him to. And I, I suspect that Arenado and goalie will both retire as Cardinals. Oh, uh, yeah. and, unless there's, unless there's some significant yeah. performance drop off, you know, uh, I think they'll pay him. So, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, uh, having, 
we'll look back and we talked about this a lot last year. So this isn't like a new take, but it's just fun to already start to reminisce about the 2022 Cardinals uh, would have, you know, has had four hall of famers uh, in its, on its team, you know, and it's, and it's infield or, or uh, including DH. Right. So I mean, Lars Dupar too. So really five. Um, Yeah. And I'm, I'm really banking on that. Uh, uh, mid mid career explosion Tyler O'Neill's going in the hall uh <laughs> that's an interesting question the leg kick who's the most likely cardinal under 28 who would who could be in the hall of fame right now is it is Tommy Edmond the answer no uh, no I don't think so he's I, gathering I mean, war like a crazy person he is and, and productivity um it's a tough question to answer. Um, that, that's obviously su- like there's a, such a combination of peak and sustainability that you yeah. need to get to to like to be there. Um, I don't know, man. It's hard to think of any. I, I'm like so cautious to put that tag on anyone. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. like Tommy Edmund is, you know, accruing war at a rate uh, quick enough. I just worry about like. What does a thirty-five-year-old Tommy Hedman look like? <laughs> you yeah. know, is he is he? Uh, you know, a lot of his value comes from that speed. Yeah. So no, you know, I, I'm uh, gonna. I, I think Gorman's gonna get to five hundred bombs. That's that. That'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll ship that right now. He's the youngest. He's got the most time projectability. Gorman's getting a five hundred. Wow, I yep. love it. All right, uh, him, Walker, and Win are all gonna hold hands and and just <laughs> uh, walk into the hall together. If Walker doesn't make it to the Hall of Fame, I will feel robbed. Yeah, what a bust. Yeah. All right. Let's check in from around the league. <laughs> You've never said that before. <laughs> I'm trying out new buzzes. No, it was stings. good. It was good. Yeah, that's that. I felt stunned. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's start talking about the league. Frankie Montas, remember, be, Cardinals legend. Huh? Say what? It'd be bad for you to be oh. stung. Cause I'm alert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Frankie Montas, uh, will undergo sho- shoulder surgery on Tuesday and is likely to miss all of 2023. Um, big sad for the Yankees. The Yankees will be fine, but I more just thought like, man, we were really pushing for Montas last year for the Cardinals. And obviously like, it, of course it looks great with uh 2020 hindsight, but, uh, kind of crazy. Um, Big deal. It was twenty twenty two, but um, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I know what year it is. <laughs> um, yeah, Mo knows. He knew. You knew. You know, we all we all wanted that big Montas trade, and he said no. Yeah, you get Quintana, and, and he was right. We, and he was right. He was absolutely um, right. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was like the big thing was trade for Montas. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. It has not worked out for them. He's he's nothing, nothing. Um, in other news, uh, Manny Machado has expressed that he will opt out of his big old Padres contract after this season. Um, I think probably predictable outcome here. I think the only thing that's a little weird is that he started the season like that. Um, because like, what if he has a terrible year? What if he's injured all year? Maybe he still opts out. Maybe maybe it doesn't I really think matter. He still does. If he's he's it's banked fi- the value, I guess. Yeah, it's five years, like a hundred and five, I think. Yeah. So 
he will almost certainly, even if he missed this entire season, I bet he gets more than that on the open market, especially after those contracts we saw last year. And after his second place MVP season, uh, and he was great the year before, I, I think he's firmly established himself as one of the best players in baseball. And, uh, is also likely on a hall of fame track himself. So, uh, he, I think would get more than five, 105, uh, yeah. without, a, without an issue, even if he has a horrible year. And I think he said it just to like, not have to deal with the questions. You know, I think it's a pretty obvious option and he doesn't want to deal with people asking him all season. So he's like, just going to get out of the way. I'm yeah. opting out. Yeah. He did it. He'll uh, he'll still be fairly young. He'll be uh, thirty after this season. Um, yeah, and it, it's crazy to me that this will be his fifth year with the Padres already. Like it just time flying by. right. But uh, yeah, yeah, we'll have uh, the free agent pool will be a little more richer next year. Uh, Mookie Betts admits that the Red Sox occasionally use video to steal signs in two thousand and eighteen. Whoops. Yeah, nobody cares though. Yeah, because we all knew. Everyone knew. Every, yeah. That's part of. I think that's part of why uh, baseball ultimately didn't drop a a major hammer on the Astros is that they did it the worst and in the dumbest possible way. Yeah. Um. But it was happening all over the league. There's sure. all that talk of the Red Sox, the Yankees. Like, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if half if half the league was doing some version of it and the Astros had to be punished because again, they were hitting trash cans with sticks. Yeah. Uh, so, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, they were using caveman technology for their yeah. cheating, uh, in, you know, in a modern league. So they got caught and had to be punished, but I think it was happening all over the place. And yeah, we kind of already knew that. It, and so he, I think yeah. it's more just weird that I don't care. Um, that's what feels the weirdest. But it, it's just like we're, well, we're posted it's and it's just now. whatever. Yeah. 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 We already kind of knew this, you know, maybe I hadn't been confirmed by a player specifically, yeah. but like the news is, oh, yeah, that's not surprising. If this was the first of that story, we'd be like, holy shit, yeah. you know. But kill now him. It, yeah, yeah. I honestly, yeah. I almost didn't even write it down. But, you know, I just thought best player in baseball yeah. says we cheated, but nobody cares. Anyways, uh, Steve Cohen uh, was doing an interview in uh, spring training. And obviously, ever, he's kind of the talk of baseball right now with the, his him kind of slam dunking on the luxury tax threshold uh, <laughs> and, and mocking other owners. Um, in a way that I find extremely entertaining. It, it is unentertaining in the fact that it's a billionaire, uh, kind of wagging his, you know, big stick around. Um, uh, but it yeah. is entertaining in the sense that he's making other billionaires uncomfortable, which I do like. Uh, but he says, uh, in criticism of spending from other owners, I don't know if you've noticed, but Dick Monfort, uh, owner of the Rockies is extremely unhappy about the way he is spending money. Uh, he says, maybe they should just take this money and say thank you, um, which <laughs> honestly it, it is like he's spending a bunch of money. Most of that money is going to these other teams that aren't spending. What is there to complain about? You guys, it, just like we were talking about the players that agreeing to arbitration, the owners agreed to this. Yeah. And and these the owners are complaining are the ones who've already indicated to that, um, 
you know, baseball is a money making operation for them. Their intent is to turn a profit. And so, yeah, you would certainly think that they'd be happy about this because now they're turning more of a profit without having to do anything on their side. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's all just bullshit all the way down. You know, know, Steve Cohen is no hero. Uh, he sucks too. Uh, he had it. I think it is good that he's doing this, but, um, I'm not like, Oh great. Steve Cohen, savior of baseball. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a Mets fan, how do you feel about Steve Cohen spending? I think you could be ecstatic about it. Do you think that there's I any mean, like, I don't know. It's he spent so much money and they're still like, they're good. They're not great. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing that, you know, Mets fans like to be, uh, Mets fans. And it, scum. It's kind of like Cubs fans. Like some of the Cubs fans I know, you know, they're like, Oh, they won. You know, now what? Um, right. Right. Just people yeah. like to be uh, miserable. I guess. Anyways, doesn't no, matter. There's no, yeah, there's no pleasing anyone. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's also just hard to make a good baseball team. And it is, we learned for years that just buying players isn't necessarily the solution. And it might continue to be like this thing with the Mets, like they might lose, I mean, odds are the most likely thing is they don't win a World Series with any of these players, right? And it's not even like a mark against their team. It's just, it's incredibly hard to win a World Series. Yeah. Um, and obviously spending like that, it's a high risk, high reward because if these guys start to tank, there is a limit somewhere for Steve Cohen. He hasn't found it yet, but like there will yeah. be a limit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's at some point we'll yeah. find the bottom of the barrel. Uh, speaking of dumbass uh, uh, owners, Peter Angelos, owner of the uh, O's, uh, the Orioles, who uh, this podcast has definitely come to hate this season even more than yeah. we already did. Um, he meets again with the media um, and announces that the O's overperformed last year. And that does not mean that they are going to be doing any spinning to augment their team. Um, just because they uh, uh, played out of their shoes does not mean that we need to invest in the team, is what he said. He also mentioned that he thought that his organization was lucky uh, of the timing of the pandemic because they had stripped their team down so low they were affected less by other people. Um, so two of those, I mean, those, those piss me off in different ways. It's one, not augmenting a team that played really, really well and has some really good young players. And they're, I mean, they're minor leagues. The guys that are going to be coming up this year are going to be incredible. Um, Adley Rutschman might be the best catcher in baseball, one of the best players in baseball. Um, and they're just not investing and not making that team any better. And then bringing up the pandemic and talking about how you were lucky of the timing of it is maybe the most tone deaf billionaire thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just don't say that. Just you know? don't say it. Yeah. Remember when, uh, when a million <laughs> American citizens died, like it was like super lucky for us. I was so you know? glad Manny Machado wasn't on the team. So we didn't have to pay him that salary. What are you? Yeah. Who are yeah. you talking to? That really worked out for us. like, you know, what do you think about it? Like when you look back, like it was kind of tight how that happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how these people are allowed outside. Um, all yeah. right. Uh, some good news. Uh, Anderson Comas, who is a White Sox outfield prospect, announces uh, on social media and publicly that he is part of the LGBTQ plus community and he is proud. And I say 
Hell yeah. This is a 23 year old who's at the beginning of his career. It's not somebody who's about to retire. I think this is a big step for baseball. Hopefully the White Sox organization is behind them. Um, but pretty cool. Good for Anderson. Yeah. Wonderful. Really probably should have put this at the top of the show. Um, you know, it's a huge step for him. And so far it seems like it's been embraced and, and, uh, really just a, another step forward. And hopefully this is the, uh, another step in the direction of people, wherever they are can be whoever they are, uh, and feel comfortable with it. So hell yeah. Uh, good for him. All right. Now the part of this that everyone's been waiting for, we have we're, we're the here. conclusion of the free yes. agent scraps, big money draft, AKA fast boom. If you don't know, we uh, a few weeks ago, we drafted the remaining free agents. Um, and the rule was that we're the cutoff was going to be in two days from us recording. Um, and the uh, total guaranteed money to the players that you drafted, uh, that, that was the winner. Sorry, I, I explained that poorly, but I, I think I got it out there. Um, so uh, everyone has been drafted except for Jerks and Profar. Uh, but Nate doesn't care about that because Michael Walker's deal just saved his entire year. Uh, great job. What is Nate. it? He, 2000. What is this? 2017 Michael Walker coming in clutch. Yes. For Nate so, H. So I'll go really quickly through my team. My team ended at, uh, it was $85.8 million. I have Nate Eovaldi, Michael Conforto, Brandon belt, uh, Brian Anderson, Elvis Andrews, and Danny Duffy. Um, recently white Sox signed Elvis Andrews for one year, $3 million. What a bargain. Um, yep. and I had to look this up. Danny Duffy was signed in January to a minor league deal. Just nobody <laughs> talked about it. Um, so that is no guaranteed money. That does not count. Yeah. Uh, so that leaves my total at 85.8 million. Uh, Nate had selected K Craig Kimbrell, uh, Taylor Rogers really saved your season as well. Taylor Rogers got $33 million. That's huge. Gene Segura, Trey Mancini, and Michael Waka. Michael Waka got one of the weirdest deals I've ever seen, but it's guaranteed four years, $26 million. The way that this works is he's getting paid $4 million this year. He got a $3.5 million signing bonus. And then there's a player option and a club option. If the player option is selected, he gets one year at 6.5 million and two years at 6 million. If the club option is selected, he gets two years at 16 million. And then there's another option after that. <laughs> so it's really weird. All we can say is that Michael Waka is signed to the Padres and he is getting guaranteed $26 million. It could be more. Um, it, can't be less so that it's a good guarantee for him. Uh, but crazy that he got four years crazy that he got the, the organizational structure that this contract took and, and took Nate to the championship. Um, so Nate has a hundred million bucks. Profar hasn't signed, um, but it doesn't matter because he already won. So whatever Profar signs for is just going to be icing on the cake. If he signs in the next two days, uh, but congratulations, Nate, you did great. Thank you. Um, you were saved by, a very awesome strange picks. deal. <laughs> no, well, it's funny. My first overall pick, Jerks and Profar, did not sign. <laughs> I <know>. so, <laughs> so I crushed you, I think is what you mean to say. I didn't even need a first overall pick. I, uh, I guess I won by so. almost $20 million. So, yeah, yeah. I think, um, 
I will say it didn't go the way that I thought it would go. I definitely thought Danny Duffy would get a big league contract. I thought Elvis <laughs> Andrews would get more than $3 million. Um, and I definitely did not think that Michael Walker would secure a four-year contract. Um, but here we are. It oh, doesn't funny. matter. You have the biggest, uh, assuming you know we don't get a profile signing in the next two days, yeah. you had the biggest contract with Michael Conforto's $36 million, which was also bonkers. Yes. So, uh, yeah, this, this didn't go in any way that either of us were expecting. Other than that, I, of course, expected to win, and I did. So, <laughs> so yeah. humble and gracious in your victory, too. Congratulations. <laughs> you win. Um, I hope we have another phasmed uh, next year. Didn't we bet something? I feel like we bet like donuts or something. I'll have to. We'll that, have to go back and listen. Sounds to it. like something we would have said. Yes. I feel like it was also like three hundred dollars or something. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll it, Venmo uh, you that right now, pal. Thank you. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, uh, we're gonna wrap up this episode. I got a new one here for you, Ben. So I mentioned earlier. Uh, at the top of the show, emo night. It yes. is a thing. Yes. It is a thing. Uh, they made a shirt that has uh, Fred Bird looking like pensively over his shoulder, and it says "My Cardinal Romance." Obviously, a reference oh, to my, my goodness. romance. Yeah, I know. I have a lot of weird feelings about like. I never had a really phase. Me neither. And yeah. but I was very adjacent to it, especially yeah. playing music in that time period. Every show we would play. It was like us doing sort of like dance, uh, you know, indie rock. And then we'd play with like four emo bands. It was just yeah. like our entire existence was being around the indie or the emo scene, even though we were not a part of it. So I, I am like, you know, it was a huge part of my life, even though I never truly connected to it. But I, I am really surprised that it has become the sort of like nostalgized target yeah. that it has. Like I've been seeing emo this emo that all over the place recently um i don't know if anybody actually wanted that or if it's working but it, there's definitely an attempt to like it, the closest yeah, comp i coming after of millennials like, yeah well i think it's kind of like the hippie thing you know where it's like there's a clear dress code there's a clear time period there's a clear set of music that was attached to it hippie obviously has the entire element of like uh peace and like the the sort of social element around it you know the, really the have facade that. of that yeah but the yeah. facade of that at least yeah, yeah. um but you know doesn't really have that but otherwise it is like yeah it's like a clear moment of time that a music scene had like yeah. a physical representation well, so i guess it, i'm not that surprised, it's also but i never really thought because yeah. I, I associate it with like a, a depression and uh, bad camera angles and uh good hair <laughs> like it's it is it is very specific but yeah, I, I, yeah. I, so, I support it though. Like, go be emo. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It's all fine. I, I'm yeah. not complaining about it, but I'm just surprised. I, I, I didn't expect. I kind of thought, you know, like that version of it. Yeah. Like the scene had died. Like emo as a music scene still exists. Like there's post emo and stuff like that, and it's still happening. But I, I, I'm a little surprised at like the commercialization of it as a scene for selling nostalgia. But anyway, sure. it also got me thinking. Yeah. Well, that's a wacky theme night. What other, what other uh, wacky theme nights might there be? Mm-hmm. And we're going to play a little game that I'm calling theme night or dream night. And <laughs> is this is how this game is going to work. I have a list of 
nights. Yeah. I can, and I can, you have yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to tell me, uh-huh. is it a real theme yeah, night? Or, or did you make it up? Yeah. Or did I make it up? Yeah. <laughs> Was it a dream night? Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have to reasonably assume that you actually dreamt this up. It was more, it was thought, it created by you, not, not I, actually yeah, a dream state. No. Okay. I've been keeping track of all my dreams uh, yeah. for years now, and I went back through the notes to find every time I dreamt up a wacky theme night. Wow. And, uh, these were my dreams. No, Cardinal, these, were all, these were all crafted over the last 24 hours. All right. Okay. Uh, so we will go ahead and start out the first one. Netflix and chill night. Oh my God. Uh, that's so stupid that I don't think you would have written that. I'm going to say that's a real. That is correct. Netflix and chill night. Do was they a know real what that means? Night. So I, I should probably have clarified. This is including minor leagues. So okay. there's going okay. to be yeah. all sorts of wacky shit that people are doing. Uh, and yeah, Netflix and chill night. Some banging of on the field. Like what is going on here? Or are you I just watching like the office? On the okay. Um, some of these I do have more, <laughs> uh, more like, uh supplemental content to explain what it was okay. this one i do not it was just netflix and chill night right uh so yes you are correct you've gotten one um all right milk night oh no <laughs> uh i could see a, a minor league team that's out by some like some milk farms i i don't i don't want to rationalize it but i'm gonna say that that's real that is not a real night. That is real. <laughs> I mean, there might have been a milk night somewhere, but no, that that one, that is one of my dream nights. Ben, can't you imagine just a nice milk? Night? I I'm like a staunch milk hater, so no, that would be my nightmare. <laughs> I do not drink milk. I haven't drank milk in like a decade. Get out of here. Uh, we had I hadn't like purchased a gallon of milk in like a decade, and then now that we have kids, where it's like fuck, it's like a gallon. We have too much milk in the house. It kind of drives me crazy. Gross. Yeah. All right. Salute to indoor plumbing night. <laughs> uh, I would not be. I, yeah, that sounds like a good industry night. I'm going to say that that's real. That is correct. It is real. I have uh, I have a little bit of background information here. Okay. I'm going to read for you. Sadly, the original salute to indoor plumbing night never got off the ground. The, uh, the power's first idea was to close the bathrooms at Appalachian Power Park and have fans use portable toilets, the better to help them appreciate the benefits of indoor plumbing. As you might imagine, that constituted a massive health code violation, and the state health department nixed it. But the team would not get to dis- or not be discouraged. Employees dressed in plumber's overalls, the theme song to Home Improvement played between innings, and last but not least, their traditional hamburger helper skillet toss was replaced with something more thematically appropriate. Quote, we took some brownies and mushed them up and uh. made them look like poo, director of promotions Kristen Call told the Washington Post. It was a poo toss that night. <laughs> gross like so yeah i don't want to be hit with a brownie first off second off i don't want to be hit with a brownie that's being i don't want to i don't want a brownie to be around me that is supposed to be poop yeah that is disgusting 
I would it's rather horrible. go to milk night. <laughs> God. I, 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 or at the very least, combine milk night with the brownie night. So you have a good, Jeez, no, you know, something no. to wash down. The- I'm, yeah. Miss me with that. <laughs> All right. Jennifer night. oh wow um i don't know why these are just all feeling real to me Uh, i'm gonna say that that's also real i could see jen jennifer's getting for free it's a great promotion that is correct jennifer knight was a real one um it was a salute to jennifer's uh (laughs) the copy seemed to imply that jennifer aniston jennifer lopez sure jennifer fans of the of the team uh coolidge yeah yeah Yeah. lots of jennifers out there right that's somebody yep uh Uh, so yeah that was a real get in for free Uh, i don't know i would hope so okay garner hudson uh yeah uh lawrence i mean so many jennifers out there wow a lot of jennies (laughs) all right (laughs) flat earth night Oh, no. Um, well, first off, I would like to say that I do believe that the Earth is a disk and there is a frozen block of ice around the edge of it, keeping the oceans in. Uh, yeah. That being said, obviously. I think baseball teams have their eyes closed and they wouldn't see this. Um, <laughs> so I'm saying it's not real. <sighs> Yeah, you're right. They they just don't get it. And you're they right. They would it, never have a they would never have a flat earth night because they're they've got their blinders on. Sheeple. Yeah. Um, Do you think they would let that happen? I don't think so. No. It's too real, man. <laughs> yeah. Um I actually believe in the hot pocket earth we live <laughs> on. <laughs> it's hot pocket shaped. That's why you still get the molten core. Sure. Yeah. yeah, you got to let All it sit right. for five minutes. So wait, was that real or not? Not real. Okay. Unlike the flat earth. Unlike the flat earth. Okay. Tickle night. Ugh, that's disgusting. <laughs> that is more disgusting than poop and mickle, uh, milk night. Um, But you think tickle night is more disgusting than poop night? Yes, I do. I do not <laughs> want to be... In a, uh, I can't even talk about it. I don't want to be in a large group of people <laughs> and tickling happening. But I think people are freaks, so I'm going to say that that one's real. It is not real. Gotcha. God, that thank is... God that is not real. <laughs> that is truly horrifying to me. I had no idea you had such a tickle aversion. Oh, my God. With a bunch of people? That's disgusting. <laughs> Tee-hee. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> I used to be ticklish, but I got over it. That's, um, that's the sick, next bro. one. That's like the coolest <laughs> thing I've ever heard someone say. That's sick. I'm really cool. <laughs> um, all right. Halfway to Festivus night. Halfway to fe- Okay, people love Seinfeld. So it gets the butts in seats. I imagine halfway to Festivus happens during the baseball season. Um, I'm going to say yes. You nailed that one, Ben. Logically thought through. Boom. Yes, halfway to halfway to Festivus night is a real night. All right. Finally. Magnets, 
how do they work night? <laughs> Which means that it is at the very least a night that is referencing ICP, if not directly affiliated with ICP. Um, is, is, I mean, I guess it could also just be somebody in the front office being funny and they're giving a magnet away, which makes it more plausible. Um, but I also know Nate has an ICP connection, so he could just have ICP on the brain. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to vote with my heart on this one and I'm going to say no, not real. You got it, man. That is yes. not real, though. I would definitely go to a magnets. How do they work? Night. <laughs> um, In your mind, what was that? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I, don't, I just thought it was funny. Right. Um, but definitely they'd be handing out magnets and, you know, there'd be some, maybe you'd have some sort of thing on the Jumbotron explaining how magnets actually work. It it could for be you, fun. it's just knowledge transfer. It's just, here's it's about mag- magnets. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> magnets, how do they work? Here's yeah. how, night. Wow. <laughs> People need to know. Sure. It's a miracle. Hey, I'm so I'm buying a ticket. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So as Ben reverence, Molly has a there was a section of Molly's life, which I refer to as Dark Lord Molly, <laughs> where she was a big, big ICP fan. <laughs> Yikes. So. All right. Although well, I, ben, I, you got. Well, I was just going to say we welcome juggalos. If a juggalo wants to listen, of course. come on board. Yeah. You're all yeah. welcome here. Um. All right. Well, Ben, you got five of eight correct. It's pretty, uh, that's okay. Yeah. I think this is the most I've stumped you on one of these games where I make up half of the <laughs> half of them. So great job. Um, and I know, I know now you are really disgusted by tickling milk and uh, fake poop, which well, I would have guessed at least that one. It's but the group tickling and milk. The group setting aspect of it is, is what ups it to being disgusting. Like, like 5,000 people drinking milk together grosses yeah. me out. 5,000 yeah. people tickling each other grosses me out. Well, uh, two people tickling each other, I'm fine with that. I <laughs> mean, I'm me really take... not, though, actually, now that I say it out loud. I don't like any of it. I Yeah, I'm disgusted. And we should legislate that. against it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's why uh, I'm running. Yeah, remind me to take uh, the tickling party off of Tab Fest 2023. <laughs> God, <laughs> uh, you're disgusting. All right, all right, let's let's wrap this up. So, thank you everyone, of course, again for listening, making it this far into the episode. Again, our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Talking About Birds. We'd love to have you there. Uh, Real baseball is starting. We are so excited. We'll be back every week next Thursday, every Thursday with an episode. Year two of the podcast is on. We are here. We're doing it. And we're looking forward to a good Cardinal season. And until next week, go Cardinals. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye.